0: Thank you, Jesus, that you are in this place, that you are so real. And thank you in advance for the work that you are about to do in every one of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody that agreed said, amen. You may be seated. Whew. feel like i just been to church. Um. Somebody asked me the other day, what was the most embarrassing part of going to, to rehab? And I was like, other than rehab? And, and they were like, yeah, yeah. And I said, well, so if you've ever been to rehab, I'm, by the way, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but if you've ever been to rehab, you'll, you'll track with us. Uh, when you get there, at least the one I went to, they're nice to you at first because you've got to sign all the paperwork and fill some stuff out. And then they take you, they take you into the, the place... And they call it the psych- psychiatric ward. But if you've ever been through rehab, we called it the tank. Um, it's where you sober up or dry out or whatever you want. So, and in the tank, they run all these tests on you. And you get a blood test, and you got to pee in a cup, and they got to watch you pee in the cup to make sure it's your pee in the cup. It's just super. Anyway, um, I went, and I went to this one room, and they were like, well, it's time for the search. And I was like, okay. And they were like, you need to take all your clothes off. I said, oh, one of those searches. I've never had one of those. And so they're like, well, there's two males there at all time." And I'm like, okay. So they, I got a strip search. Don't know if you've ever been strip searched, but they listened. They searched everywhere and found nothing, by the way. Um, and, and, but that wasn't the most embarrassing part. That wasn't the most embarrassing part. The most embarrassing part was that after the strip search, they walked me into this room. And on the other side of the room, I saw it. And when I saw it, I knew what they were going to ask me to do. And I didn't want to do it. And I was so scared. And I was intimidated. In fact, I'm sweating a little bit just talking about it right now. It was the scale. See, some of y'all just broke out in a sweat when I mentioned scale. You, 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 you step on the scale, and we all say the same thing. Scale's off. It's scale, the scale's off. Scale, so I looked at the scale, and I'm, I'm standing there. i just been strip search, and they gave me this little paper gown. I didn't put it on. I was just holding my hand. And I was like, uh, I said, I don't need that. I said, I'm 215. I'm, I'm and they both laughed like it was funny. And I was like, no, I'm 215. I'm I'm and they were like, okay, sh- sh- yeah, sure you are. We're going to need you to step on the scale anyway just so we can have an accurate record of what our scale says. And I was like, it's 215. And they are like, Mr. Noble, please step on the scale. I was like, okay, fine, I'll step on your stupid scale. And I stepped on the scale, and I was slightly above 215. <laughs> I was 245. That's what I was. I, was, I missed it. <laughs> 30 pounds, okay? And, and so they kind of laughed, and I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I got, I got angry. I got very, very angry in that moment. Not at them, and not at the scale. I got mad at me, because at the end of the day, nobody held me down and stuffed Twinkies in my face. And I don't know if y'all know this or not, but alcohol has a lot of calories in it, right? And so I had worked my way up from 2.15 To 245. And you know what men do when we gain weight? We just keep pushing our pants down or we keep pulling them up, okay? And like some men got it up to here, and you're the older, younger. Older, younger. So anyway, I I was I was angry because the scale didn't lie. And I said, you know what? Instead of getting mad at other people, instead of blaming it on other people, when it comes to my physical fitness, I am, and a friend of mine said this years ago, and it's a phrase that stuck with me ridiculously in charge. So I decided to go on a health and fitness journey, and I'm not 245 anymore. I, in fact, I got down to 195, and that was a little bit, I mean, my clothes falling off stuff, so I put some weight back on. I'm about two, 205, 210 right now. Depends on if I had Taco Bell the night before, um, which if I had Taco Bell the night before, I'd weigh less the next day, and that's all we got to say about you. We got it. We got it. Whew. Talk about making a run for the border. Anyway, I... I bring all that up today to say that today is, is going to be kind of like us stepping on a spiritual scale. Um, the, the beautiful part about today is that I'm going to ask you to evaluate you. So if you, at any point in this message, go, I sure do wish Linda could hear this, um, you missed it. When you look in the mirror, we talked about this last week, you fix you. You can't fix Linda if you're looking in the mirror. So... I'm going to ask you, and here's what's the other beautiful thing: if you get mad today, <laughs> you're going to get mad at you. You can't get mad at me because I'm asking you to step on the scale and evaluate yourself. Or, or if you got the courage, if you got the courage, pause for just five seconds right now, and ask the Holy Spirit to help you make an honest assessment or evaluation. Good. All right. So I was reading the book of Second Peter. In the Bible, in the New Testament, there's a book of Second Peter. So I read the book of Second Peter, which sounds impressive, but, <laughs> but there's only three chapters in it. So I read the book of Second Peter, and I got a Second Peter, the, the second verse says this. May God give you more and more grace and peace, which, yes, and I'm going to sign up for all the grace and peace I can get from God. Anybody with me on this one? Amen? Okay. But, but he also says this. It goes together. It's a package deal. May God give you more grace, more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. In other words, Peter said, as we grow in knowledge, we're going to begin to understand more and more and more grace. And then at the very end of the book, the very last, so he starts out in verse 2 talking about growth. And then the very last verse in the book, chapter 3, verse 18, he says this, rather you must grow, there it is again, in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what we're going to do today is we're going, to, we're going to look at that outline you got, we're going to evaluate four areas of our life, we're going to fill in some blanks, and at the end I'm going to ask you to evaluate you, and then I'm going to ask you to take a step. Are y'all ready for it? Got your pens? Got your outlines? You ready for it? Give it I'm setting you up. Setting you up. Some of y'all, y'all not gonna write it down, and that's fine. That's fine. You can be ungodly. That's okay. <laughs> I'm Just kidding. I, I love, I love to fill in blanks. It's just me. Here we go. Circle number one. This will be so much fun. Church attendance. Now some of y'all are like, I'm doing pretty good. I'm here. Eh. Let's wait for just a second. Um. The writer of Hebrews, and by the way, we don't know who wrote Hebrews. Some people say it could have been Paul. Some people say it could have been Barnabas. Some people say it could have been Peter. Nobody knows. And by the way, don't, because there's, there's always one, don't find me in the lobby and go, I know who wrote Hebrews. You don't know who wrote Hebrews, okay? You don't know. So, but whoever wrote it, we know was they were godly because they got a book in the Bible, and they said this word that just keeps appearing. that And I'm going to point it out to you. In the first verse, it's the second word. In the second verse, it's the second word. In the third verse, it's the third word. We're going to say it together. I'm going to point it out and make it real clear. Here we go. Watch this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 25 says, let, and let's say this next word together on three. One, two, three. Us. Us. Let us. Let us. In other words, this is not a me thing. It's a we thing. Okay? Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Aren't you glad that God can be trusted to keep his promise? Aren't you glad that God can be trusted to keep his promise? I mean, come on, y'all. fifteen. it took them a minute to wake up, but y'all have been awake for a minute. <sighs> Verse 24. It's not on y'all. It's on me. I'll get you there. I'll get you there. Here we go. Verse 24. Let. Oh, that's so good. Think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good work, so we can motivate. That's what church is supposed to be. We're supposed to motivate. And Watch this, verse twenty-five, and let not neglect our meeting together, as some are in, as some people do because of COVID. But encourage one another. I just I threw that in. It's not in there. Um, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. In other words, whoever wrote Hebrews was. Pre- was saying that church attendance, getting together once a week, is a pretty big deal. Now our culture talks a lot about mental illness, our um, anxiety, depression, fear, and, and all of this has increased significantly since 2020, since the pandemic or the fake pandemic. No matter no matter what side you're on, no it's, matter it's increased significantly. You know the one thing, though, and this is, this is not just, this, this is all science across the board. The one thing that people that have anxiety and depression and worry, the, the one thing that all of those people, and it, it doesn't matter what age, what race, what economic status you have, the one thing that all people have in common that, that struggle with those things is they feel disconnected from other people. And they feel disconnected from God. How incredible would it be if God created an environment where at least once a week we could connect with God and we could connect with the people of God. That would be, huh, he did it. It's called church. Now, (laughs) as I walk through these things, if you get mad, just pause and ask: Am I mad because he offended me, which is highly possible? <laughs> or am I mad because I just got my mail read? Here we go. Cir, circle number. We're gonna go layer four, three, two, one for all the y'all expecting one, two, three, four. We're going to go four, three, two, one. I had to tell my type A's that because if I didn't, somebody would raise their hand and be like, hey, well, you, you went to four and you should have went to one. Okay, we're going to go four, three, two, one. Y'all ready for it? Here we go. Layer four is the crowd. If you're in layer four, you're a you're part of the second chance crowd. And the second chance crowd, well, I, I, share it to you, I share it with you like this. I was talking to a pastor one time, and he said, uh, we have a lot of CEOs in our church. I said, really? I said, that's, that's pretty awesome. He goes, yep, Christmas and Easter onlys. <laughs> and if you've been in ministry for a minute, you know we always got to one-up each other. I said, oh, yeah. I said, well, we, at Second Chance, have a lot of HCEOs in our church. He said, really? Well, H- I said, hoodie, Christmas, Easter only. And, and, and I'm <laughs> right. So if you are in the if you're in the crowd, if you're in the second chance crowd, it means you're gonna show up to church maybe, maybe four to five times a year. Maybe. You are gonna be here on Christmas, and Easter, a hoodie, or a t-shirt or whatever. And and you're not really, you wouldn't consider yourself a church goer, but when you go, you you come here. Um, now, most of you um, that would be in this circle you're either here today because it's the first Sunday of the month and it's the first Sunday of the year and it's the only time you're going to have perfect church attendance like all year long. Like so far, you're batting 1,000 when it comes to church attendance for 2024. But some of you are watching online. And I just want to say to our friends online, this is the year to get it in gear and get in the room. To go from your couch to a seat in this room. This is the year because... Um, I'm going to go ahead and tell you if, you, if you're in the crowd, if, you, if you're just in the crowd, it, you're, this is where people go, well, I went, but I just didn't get a lot out of it. Yeah, like, that's like buying a gym membership and going five times a year. we good? Okay, because it's going to get more real. Second, layer three is the community. Second chance community. Now, if you're in the second chance community, This is your church, and you attend Second Chance Church, listen to me, when it's convenient, which means about 15 to 20 times per year. You can ask the staff about this, and they will tell you. They'll back me up on this. I can tell you what our attendance is going to be based on a couple things. First of all, the weather. If it's raining, we're going to be down across the board 10 to 15% if it's raining. Now, here's what's crazy. If it's raining, you'll take your kid to the Clemson game because you want to show them what a true fan is. But if it's raining on a Sunday morning, well, you don't want that little bundle of sugar to get wet because they might melt. It's convenient. And, and, and by the way, by the way, I promise you this is true. If Clemson or South Carolina during football season have a 12 o'clock or a 3:30 kickoff, and they win. our attendance and our giving is going to be up 15 to 20 percent across the board. Promise. Clemson the South Carolina lose. our attendance is going to be down 10 to 20 percent. Now listen, I love Clemson. I love Clemson football, and they are a great team. But they suck as an idol. South Carolina really sucks as an idol. Okay, I'm just saying. Pick your idol wisely. I'm, I'm just saying if it's if you're if if you're in the community you attend, but you attend when it's convenient. Okay, and then layer three. Well, this is what we call the church, and this is. This is when somebody moves from evaluation to participation. They move from, you yeah, I don't, know, I don't know if I like this song. I don't know if I like this song. I like this song. This is, this is how I know we got some future hand raisers, okay? You got, you're standing here like this, standing here like this, but you start, start rocking. <laughs> and, and you start moving your head. And all the white people can't keep rhythm, so you you, you can't kind of you kind of get off rhythm a little bit. White people can't clap on rhythm. They can't. White people cannot clap on rhythm, and they can't clap consistently. Y'all know I'm telling the truth about white people. Some of you are like, can't." Talk. I'm a white person, okay? I can make fun of white people all I want. This is when you move from um, this is when you move from evaluation to participation. This is when you become part of the church. This is where you volunteer. This is where you begin to sign up to volunteer. This is where you, where it's more like, you feel a draw. You feel a tug. You feel a pull. You're like, I want to be in God's house. And here's why. Because you know, you know for a fact that God is going to do something in your life. Now, some people love that and some people don't. I'll get to that later. But at the end of the day, that's layer two. And layer one, because some of you are like, how can you get any, okay, deeper than that. Well, layer one is the core. And these are the people, I won't go ahead and tell you. These are the people that I personally know by name. As I look around the room, if I see these people are not here, they will get a text or a phone call from me within 48 hours. Because I want to know. These are the people, they're coming to church no matter what. I... I'm not going I'm, I'm, I'm to name names because I didn't get permission, but I had some friends. They were out of the Clemson game, late at 3.30. They got home. They were here at like 7 o'clock the next morning. Now, they were sleepy. One of them was a little bit hurt, okay? He was a little sideways, but, but hey, hey, he was in church. Can we celebrate that? This is, this, is where, this is where I believe that God ultimately wants us to be. And I'm going to go and tell you, the core These are the people that are going to volunteer no matter what. They're not going to call out because they woke up. Well, let's just, because they stayed out too late Saturday night. Now, here's the question. What level are you on? And I want to show you this. Can can we go to the God cam for just a second? Can we go to switch? There we go. You'll see it, the God cam see what it is is God's up there and he's looking down and this is the guy was what we did was okay so I'm gonna ask you are you are you in the community are you in the crowd are you in the church are you in the core and here's what's beautiful no matter where you are in this circle God is with you moving in isn't getting closer to God Moving in is becoming more aware of the presence of God. He's as real right there as he is right there. But all I'm asking is find where you are, take a step in. This year, find where you are. Take a step in. Find where you are. Take a step. This, this right here, by the way, everybody that's on staff, this is where we found our staff members. We've never had a, we, we don't, we, this is where we find our staff members right here. In the core. In the core. That was church attendance. Let's go on to something way less controversial. Let's let's go to circle two, which is giving. <laughs> now I'm going to tell y'all. When it comes to money, I used to get nervous because, I, and I confessed this last week talking about preachers and money. But I want y'all to listen to me. I when I say I grew up poor, I grew up poor. Okay. I had to go to Kentucky Fried Chicken, lick other people's fingers. I was, that's how poor, some of y'all get that. You remember those commercials. I was, I was poor. Now, I've met people that say they're poor, but listen to me. If you've got an iPhone going to Starbucks and you're online complaining about how, like, bad life is, that's not poor. When my dad got arrested, when I was the summer before my senior year in high school, and we lost our apartment, and they took him off to jail, I had a duffel bag with all of my belongings, all of my clothes in it, and no place to live. So I have been homeless. So when I tell you I know what it's like to be poor, I know what it's like to be poor. This is why, and this is just confession time for me, I have a hard time when I drive by people that hold a little sign going, I need some money, can't out of work, need money, and they're standing in front of Target who has a help wanted sign. And I'm like, hey, I got a solution. Why don't you go to them and get a job? Because that's what I did when I was in your I, Listen, I've been homeless. You know what I discovered? If you go to work, eventually, you won't be homeless anymore. Didn't get a lot of amens on that because everybody's looking. Listen, everybody's looking for a handout. God, God gave you a handout when he gave you life. That was God's handout. God gave, you were created on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose. I am sick and tired of people saying, I don't have, you know what? We, I Go to a third world country and come back and tell me what you don't have. I just went off script. Let me think about it for a second. Oh, yeah, so giving. <clears throat> Not When I became a Christian, money was the last thing I gave to God because I've always had a scarcity mentality. So it's kind of like when when I got baptized, I kind of held my wallet up out of the water. I was like, I'm giving you everything, God, except my money. Um, (laughs) And then one day I was reading the Bible, and reading the Bible is something I love and hate. Now, I know know some of you are like, I can't believe you said you hate reading the Bible. Yeah, because it gets convicting sometimes. And I remember when I was wrestling through this whole money thing, and Have you ever been reading the Bible and it almost feels like the Holy Spirit just reaches his hand out of the Bible and slaps you a little bit and pulls it back in? No, that didn't really happen, okay? And if it, it really is happening to you, you get some help. Acid is not good, all right? I'm just saying, this verse right here got me. Um, Deuteronomy 16, 16, no one should appear before the Lord empty-handed. I was like, oh, snap. Now, I shared this with somebody one time and they were like, yeah, but that's Deuteronomy. It's the Old Testament. I was like, well, here's what's funny about the book of Deuteronomy. Stay with me. Jesus in Luke 4 and Matthew 4 was tempted by Satan three different times. And three different times, Jesus defeated Satan by quoting a Bible verse from the book of Deuteronomy. Yeah, it's a good book. If, if Jesus quoted it, I just, I, just think it's, I just think the whole thing's good. And then somebody told me, well, tithing is Old Testament. Yeah, we're in New Testament. Well, that's actually not true. Old Testament law, uh, tithing predates the Old Testament law. And then Jesus, Jesus himself said this in Matthew 23, 23, when he's talking to the Pharisees, Jesus said, You should tithe. That's that's Jesus. The guy that died on the cross and rose from the grave, forgave our sins, that guy. And he said, You should tithe. Somebody like, I'm looking for a son. You should tithe. So when it, comes to, when, it comes to, when it comes to giving, I'm just going to ask you to identify your circle. Are y'all ready for this? Y'all feel the tension in the room? Oh, it's so good. I love it. Layer four is the taker. And listen, I'm not mad about it. I'm glad you're here because if you've ever had a baby, when you bring that baby home, that baby's a taker, isn't it? Like when Shannon and I, we have little Boaz one day, we bring little Boaz home. I'm not gonna sit little Boaz down and say, "Listen, little Boaz, your ass better be contributing in this how Your ass gonna get a job." I mean, I'm not. I'm, I, you don't do that. None of you have ever had the baby that woke up at three o'clock in the morning and said, "I'm hungry, but I shall not disturb my mother at this time." No. Now, I'm not. I'm not saying you're. The, the reason I bring that up is because since we started as a church, we've had over four thousand people give their lives to Christ. And I think that's a good thing. But what that means is we got a lot of people that are young in their faith. And so if you're here and you show up and and you don't contribute anything or give anything, I'm not mad about it. I'm glad you're here. I want you to be in this place. If you're a parent, you want to create an environment where people can grow. And we as a church, we want to have this environment where people can grow. So I'm thankful that you're here. If you're taking and you've never given a dime, I'm happy to, I promise you, I'm not trying to get anything from you. I just want you to see where you are. Now, layer three is the contributor. Now, let me tell you about the contributor for a second. The contributor is uh, more of a... uh, Emotional giver. Like if we see something on, on television, like a natural disaster or something, we give to that. It's like an emotional gift. We've all we've probably done that before. Um, the, the best one I can think of, oh gosh, ruined a song for me. Ruined it. Ru- y'all y'all know y'all know what I'm talking about? The Sarah McLaughlin song? Angel? <laughs> Can't hear it anymore because every time I hear that song, I see that jacked up dog, right? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> the and there's that dog and he's all like this and his an eyeball hanging out. <laughs> do y'all know how many millions they made off of that commercial? Millions of people giving a contribution. Now, we don't do emotional giving here. I could, listen, I could do emotional giving. We talked about it before. I could bring a little five-year-old Sally out here and I say, y'all see Sally? Y'all see Sally? She's in the children's ministry. You know what? We don't have enough money for the children's ministry, so Sally's going to go to hell. How you feel about that little Sally? And, <laughs> I just don't think that's the best way to do it. I don't think that's the best way to do it. I'm just kidding. Bring out Jimmy. I'm just kidding. We're not doing it. We're not so that's the, it's, it, we give, but we got, kind of get emotional. We give, we give a little something, we contribute something. But then the third layer in, our layer two, layer two, I'm sorry, layer two, layer two is the tither. I had a dude come up to me one time and he said, Hey man, I need, <laughs> he said, I need to talk to you about tithing. I said, You need to tell me about what? He said, Tithing. I said, you only told me you need to spy, find like a dentist or a speech therapist because I don't even know what you're saying right now. He said, "You know, tithing, like in the Bible." I went, "Oh, tithing." There's a th- th- in it. It's like Clemson, C L E M P S O N. You got to throw the P in there. You got to learn how to say these words in the South, son. He's from up north. Tithing. Now, tith- he asked me. He said, "What is tithing?" I said, it, "God made this so easy. He made this so easy. It's ten percent." 10%. I had a really wealthy businessman tell me one time, I could never give 10% of my income. I said, well, you know what? I'll pray for you that God will lower your income to the place where you feel like you could give him 10%. <laughs> We're not friends anymore. I'm just saying, I, I did say that. I, this, I'm going to make it real easy because this is what I did for this guy this day. I, I took a pen, a piece of paper, and I said, this is how to, to work it. I said, if you make a dollar, you've got a dime. It's easy, right? Then you make $10, you give God a dollar. You make $100, you give God $10. You make $1,000, you give God $100. And that's how how it works. That's why I love it when people go, Pastor P, if I won the lottery, I'd give give 10% of the church. No, you wouldn't. If you're not doing it now, why would you do it then? Just thought. Layer one is the generous giver. And when I say generous giver, I mean... Listen, I'm not talking about an amount because there are people in this room and watching online, you could write a $1,000 check and you wouldn't feel it. You wouldn't feel it. Just $1,000. Other people in this room, you give $50 and that is a sacrifice for you to give that. It's not about the amount. It's about the heart. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you that, that Second Chance was built on generous givers. A handful. A handful. Now, Let's go back to the God cam for a second. <laughs> Just find out where you are and take a step in. So are you, are you a taker? Well, may, maybe, maybe take a step toward, I'm going to contribute. Contributor, take a step toward tithing. If you're a tither, take a step toward generous giving because I'm going to go and tell you. This right here, Represents about 15% of our church. What would happen if we got the other 85% involved? Now, I had had a guy come up. I think one of the most frustrating things about ministry is when people try to find Bible verses that either excuse sin or what, like one guy was trying to fight with me about smoking. He's like, we should be able to smoke weed. I found a verse. In the Bible, it says, God made all the seed-bearing plants. I'm pretty sure that doesn't give you permission to smoke weed, dude. Stop. Some of you are like, oh, my gosh, where's that verse? It's in Genesis, and it has to do with creation. But I got to tell me one time, he said, well, he said, I can't really give right now because... Um, the Bible says that God loves a, a cheerful giver, and I can't really be cheerful. And he, he threw this Bible bomb. Now you got to be careful when you throw about. Listen, I don't know a lot about a lot of things, but when you start talking Bible, you got to be real careful. Because he threw this verse at me. He's like, because Second Corinthians nine seven said for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And he said, I'm just so sorry, but I can't give cheerfully. I said, Well, sounds like you got a problem. He said, what do you mean? I got a problem. I'm like, you're telling me. I said, "I said first of all, are you a Christian? He said, absolutely. I said, you telling me that Jesus Christ, you know for a fact, he died on a cross for your sins and bled out and they put him in a tomb and he rose again. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when I'm done, I'm coming back for you one day. And he's in heaven making a place for you and you can't be cheerful, son, sounds like something's broken in your life. And so we're not friends anymore, but I confronted him with reality. Which leads to circle three. Circle three is personal, spiritual growth. Everybody flipping that paper over. You didn't, yeah, he's flipping it over. Personal, spiritual growth. I said this before, I want to be known for saying this, but I'll say it again. I don't, I don't want a church. we build big buildings. I want a church where we build big people because if we build big people eventually I think that we will we won't have to worry about the buildings and here's what I want this is what I want for you this is what I want for you. I want for you to grow in your relationship with Jesus because you attend this church and if that's ever not true then tell me so I can help you find a church. I'm about the kingdom. I want for you to move forward in your spiritual journey and your relationship with Jesus when it comes to you walking with God. And so with that in mind, (laughs) layer four is um, complacent. Layer four, let me me get a drink of water real quick. Complacent. This is the person that's like, you know what? I'm here, but uh, can't wait to get out. Like, like, you're just okay with where you are in life spiritually. You don't really want anything, not really going to pray. You know, I mean, you're just complacent. You're just, it's kind of, spiritually, you're just like, whatever. And that's cool. If that's you, I am so glad that you are here. Because the, the next layer... Is you become aware, you become aware that God wants to do something in your life. It it goes from it goes from once again being a spectator to being a participator. It, it goes from I think he's I think he's speaking to me, and when we become aware that God wants to do something in our life we have a choice lean into it or walk away from it and the author of hebrews says this in chapter 3 verse 7 that is why the holy spirit says today when you hear his voice don't harden your hearts in other words when you hear once you say no if you say no on a consistent basis that's a spiritual condition called hardening your heart This is where people get angry and bitter and mean. And and we know Christians like that. Which leads to level two is uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. Uncomfortable because, because you know what God is asking you to do. If you do it, I mean, whoo. It's uncomfortable, you might make some people mad, you might lose some friendships, you might have to break up with a pagan you're dating. Hello, I didn't say that in the last service. You something, something is going, something, something is going to happen, and it's you're uncomfortable. And here's, I say this often, but I will say it again. When Jesus said, follow me, he didn't say, take up your mattress and follow me. He said, take up your cross and follow me. When I was reading through the gospel of Mark recently, I was blown away at the number of times Mark records, and Jesus pressed on towards Jerusalem. He was pressing on towards Jerusalem. He was walking toward a place where they knew they were going to take his life. That had to be uncomfortable. And you show me a person, you show me a person who's willing to, to make the uncomfortable decision in their walk with Jesus, and I'll show you somebody that's growing spiritually. But I will to tell you. If we can go to the God camp for just a second. This is a little too early. This is where I stay most of the time between aware and uncomfortable. I'm aware, but uh, I mean, I to go here, here. Here, got some options, right? I mean, I don't want to be here, but aware. Then, and and this happened to me um, just a few weeks ago. I had, I became aware of something, became uncomfortable, and I had to make a decision. Uh, for those of you that, that, we can go off the God cam now. Thank you. Uh, for those of you that, that don't know, uh, I hate going shopping at any store, any store. Don't matter what the store is, I hate the store. I hate going into stores. Um, but I had to go to Food Lion the other day. It's near as close as my house, and if you've ever been to Food Line, you know sometimes they have it, sometimes they don't, and that's just the way it is. And some of you are like, Well, I work at Food Line, we'll freaking stock your shelf then, okay? So I won't have to complain on stage. <laughs> so I went in the store, and the buggy was right up front. The buggy, you know what I'm talking about? The buggy, it's not a cart, it's a buggy. We're in the south, hello. So I took the buggy. <laughs> And I went straight to the place where I needed and I found exactly what I needed. And I was walking toward the cash register, and there was like three open. And this cashier had two people, and this cashier had two people. And the one in the middle, it was like the Red Sea parted. There was nobody there. She smiled at me. She's like, come here. She was, did my groceries. I had my food line card, scanned it, got $4 off. And, and I, was, I was super excited, and I was getting ready to turn and leave. And right in front of me, I saw this little old man. And he had his card and couldn't get it to work. And it was saying, card declined, card declined. And you could tell he was embarrassed. He was like, well, let's, let me just run it again. And as it, I know this sounds like a preacher story, but I'm a preacher and it's my story, so it's true. I promise it happened like this. God spoke to me and said, pay for his groceries. I went, come on. Come on this has been the perfect trip. I don't have to, to anybody. So I'm standing like right here. I'm aware and uncomfortable. I, and listen, this is how it went down. I went, God, I don't even know. I don't even know how much his groceries are. And it flashed up on the screen. <laughs> $19.64. And I looked in my hand, and I was holding a $20 bill. And I went. Oh, you're good. <laughs> so I, 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 the cashier. I, I know her because I shop there. And I said, "Hey, I said, do me a favor. I said, I said, just take care of that dude's groceries. I said, just, just. I said, I don't want him to know it was me. I said, just take care of it. I got out of the car, and and, and God was like, "Aren't you glad you did that?" And I was like, "Not really. I'm out twenty bucks, God. But but i, I just. I, I didn't. I said." It's one of those things, though, that, that you know, you know, you know. When God asks you to do something uncomfortable, um, you, you got one more layer. You can go to committed. Committed. I'm going to go ahead and tell you all something. This is my confession. I wish I could tell you all. I wish I could tell you all. Let's go to the God camp for a second. I wish I could tell you all that this is where I live my life. But it's not. It's where I want to live. I want to be so sold out and so committed to Jesus, but I'm, I live my life like right here, between aware and uncomfortable. And sometimes I step over and I get it right, but sometimes I'm like, Nah, I think I'm just gonna. I'll be all right not doing it. And 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 this is this is like a dance, and I want to be here. And I'm I'm talking to the people that you want you're, you 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 want to be that here am I person. You want to be committed. You know the number one thing that holds us back from being committed, like completely sold out to Jesus? It's fear of other people. And I'm not, listen, I'm not talking about the teenagers because teenagers have to learn to be hypocrites from their parents. We okay with that? That stings, doesn't it? But but we're all scared of what, that's the number one thing. What are people going to say? What are people going to say? What are people going to say? Who cares? Because the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. Fearing people, you know what? Because there are, like, why in the world would you let Thelma, who lives in Oklahoma and owns 17 cats, ruin your day with a comment? On social media, we need to stop scrolling, start rolling out our Bible and get our nose in it and figure out what God says about us rather than what other people are saying about us. Because I had a friend, I had a friend that told me this, and this stuck with me, and I hope it sticks with you. He said, This. He said, The quickest way to lose sight of what God thinks about me is to hyper focus on what other people think about me. Who cares what they think? And it's like, listen, because I'm gonna go ahead and tell y'all this. If I had listened, to what other people said about me, none of us would be here because we wouldn't have this church. I had to lean in, listen to God, make the uncomfortable decision over and over and over again. And you know what? Five years in, I'm thinking it was worth it. It's been worth it. It's gonna continue to be worth it because we're gonna continue to see more and more people give their lives to Christ. Which leads to circle number four. This is the fun one. Circle number four. Is salvation. Some of you are like, ah, oh, I got this one. Hold on. Stay with me. Fill in your blanks and be nice. The Salvation circle. Now, <laughs> salvation is not, I was scared I might go to hell, so I prayed a prayer so I wouldn't go to hell. And <laughs> Christians have been scaring the hell out of people for years. I don't know if you all ever done this, and I'm just going to save you all some embarrassment. Don't ever ask me. Every year around Halloween, somebody always goes, We we gonna have one of them judgment houses? If y'all don't know what a judgment house is, it's basically this thing where they take you in this room and you see a car wreck and these people die, it's all made up, and then and this one person goes to heaven, and angels come and get this person and and it's just glorious. And then they have all these people dressed in black clothing. And they come out and they drag this other person to hell. And you're like here. And they're like, ah! You see? And, the, and the preacher steps out and says, if you want to be this person and not that person, pray this prayer. And I'm like, crap, I'm praying that prayer. I don't, I don't, I don't know what that is, but I'm pray, I pray that uh, yes. So, no, we don't do the judgment house. Because salvation is not scaring people. Salvation is a declaration. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised, him, oh my God, that's so good. Y'all, that gets me every time. That gets me every time. That God raised him from the dead. God raised him from the dead, y'all. Without the resurrection, none of this is like, this is all worthless without the resurrection. Do we understand? He rose from the grave. He rose. From the grave. I've been to Israel. I've seen the two different sites where he was supposedly buried. He's not in either one of them. He rose from the grave. We are the only religion on the planet that has a risen Savior. He's alive. He rose. I, woo! Okay. See, right? Going back to that, I'm aware and uncomfortable. I almost took a lap. I almost took a lap, but I know as soon as I take a lap, somebody's gonna try to run with me. You're gonna trip, fall, bust your face, and sue us. And because we have a lot of takers and a lot of contributors. Going to get, we don't have the money to pay for the lawsuit, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna run my circle. Okay, I'm gonna run my circle. There we go. So when it comes to salvation, what oh yeah, about the verse. Y'all are still there. That's so good. God raised him from the dead. You will not you might be saved. God's never looked at anybody when they prayed the salvation prayer and went, eh. We'll see. Never. So here's, here's four layers when it comes to salvation. Layer number four is you're unaware. And I want to say un, unaware. I, I'm, that does not mean dumb. It does not mean ignorant. It does not mean stupid. It just means you're aware of, like, you're here today, and you're aware of Christmas, Easter, church, cross, resurrection. You just have no idea what it has to do with your life. And honestly, that's, you know, God will make you aware when you need to be aware, but so far you've been unaware. Now, today that goes away, so sorry about that, but like it goes away. Layer layer three is curious, and this this is where I remember this so well. I got curious about Jesus, but let me tell you what got me curious about Jesus. It wasn't a Bible study. It wasn't a random man with a sandwich board and a megaphone on the corner yelling at me that I was going to hell. It was some Christians that I played football with on Sunday afternoon that were nice. Blew my mind. Now, I was just about ready to give up on God and church and Christianity and religion because I worked in a restaurant. If you've ever worked in the restaurant industry, you, the day you hate to work the most is Sunday. Because Sunday, you get to see the body of Christ, right? The ass. That's what you get to see because that's what they show when they come in the restaurant. Am I correct? If you just got offended, you're the that came in the restaurant, all right? I, and I, I would have these people that came in the restaurant that, that they, were, they were very unkind. They, they were almost judgmental. Like, I can't believe he's working on a Sunday. And I'm sitting there thinking, you jerk, if you would not come out to eat on Sunday, we wouldn't have to work. You ever thought about that? But then these people I started playing football with, they also started come in the restaurant on Sunday night, and they were nice. And so they asked me, you know, and the one guy that had been asking me for years, he, he, he was with this group, and they were like, you want to come to church? And what I meant to say was, heck no. But what came out of my mouth was absolutely. And I got in that room, and I started getting curious because they were singing songs, and there were a couple of people who had questions. <laughs> this one guy had two questions every week. Every week he had two questions. I was like, is somebody going to answer his questions? And I was I was curious, and the guy got up to preach, and he was good, y'all. He was. He was good, I understood what he was saying. And he started talking about Jesus and about how Jesus can save us from things, not just hell, but like hopelessness and feeling worthless. I got curious, but then layer number two is uncertain. And, and there's, there's two parts of this. There's two parts of being uncertain. This is, this is what I dealt with. When I finally understood Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for sin, rose from the grave, and his when I pray to receive Christ, His Holy Spirit will come into me and empower me to to live a victorious life. When I finally understood that, this was my first thought. Not me. I mean, I'm a I'm a jacked-up person. I have I have sent. I have sinned more than I could ever confess. I have messed up more than I, and the, if the gospel is true, then there's no way it's true for me. And, and God showed me very quickly that that is a lie from hell. But that's a lie that some, of, some people in this room, some people watching online, that's, that's a lie you're believing. That God could never save you. And all you need to do is look at a list of people in the Bible that he saved. And I'm telling you all, and I'm being as honest and transparent as I know how. If he can save me, he can save anybody in the room. Now, the second part of being uncertain is you think you're saved, but you don't know because you were like five years old in your grandma's church and she told you to go forward to the preacher and the preacher told you to pray the prayer and you prayed the prayer and they gave you a Bible and dunked you and you were like, I don't even know what just happened but everybody's happy so I'm not going to question it. And they told you that was your salvation experience. And it wasn't a personal thing, it was something that you, you just kind of got told to do. Now, I'm saying that and i also say this, I've seen four, five, and six-year-olds understand the gospel and pray and receive Christ in their life. It has to do with understanding Ha, all has to do with understanding and some people are like well Pastor P I, did, I have prayed, I received Christ and maybe I was a teenager, maybe I was in my 20's but, but I kind of I kind of fell away and did some things that I'm not proud of and I would just say I understand I get that been there, done that got the Google things the stories all about my falling away but you know what? Even though I lost my hold on Jesus, he never lost his hold on me. And he hasn't lost his hold on you either. This is why, this is why I believe once you pray to receive Christ, it, well, let's just look at the expert on salvation, Jesus. I would consider him to be the expert. And this is what he said. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No, no one can snatch them. Away from me. And then he said this. For my father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the father's hand. And the reason nobody can snatch you from the father's hand is because you actually become a part of the body of Christ. Which means layer one is certain. And let me say, there's a lot of things in Christianity that I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of things about the Bible I don't know. There's a lot of things about theology I don't know, but you know what I do know? May 27th, 1990 on a Sunday night at Brushy Creek Baptist Church in Easley, South Carolina, God got my attention. And I I just had to know this man named Jesus. That's the day I prayed and asked Jesus to come in my life. And I have, listen, I have not been a stellar Christian, but I've always been saved since that day. So let me ask you this. Let me ask you this question. When it comes to salvation, this is the circle I'm hoping and praying that you get to. And all the other circles I've asked you to take a step in. But if you're here today, this is where you need to be. If you've prayed to receive Christ in your life, but you've kind of walked away and done some things that you're not proud of, well, the fact that you're not proud of those is an indication that you are saved, because God disciplines and corrects His children. But if you're here today and you've net, you, as you look back over your life, I've had people say, "I've always been a Christian." No, you haven't. Jesus said, "In order to be coming to the kingdom of God, you must be born again." It's got to be your saying yes to Jesus. And so if that's the decision you need to make today, he's in this room and he will meet you right here. So Father, right now, I just wanna thank you for all that you are doing in our lives and all that you're going to do. I wanna pray for every single person in this room, God, is that we would just be so open to the step are the steps that you want us to take, knowing that we're not enough to do it our own, but God, with you, just like your word says, anything is possible. Anything is possible for those that you live in. So God, meet us in this place, and show us who you are. Jesus, we thank you that you are here among us today. Right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, what? What circle stood out to you the most and what what step do you need to take? Because something, I, I know the Lord is in this place and I know he spoke to our hearts if we were listening. What, what, what step do you need to take? Whatever step he showed you, you just tell him right now. Just tell him. Ask him to fill you with the strength and the courage to take that step. And maybe you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Christ. You're not in that certain circle and you want to be today you can nail it down today you can walk out of this room and never wonder or worry about it again and if you that's you and you want to pray and accept Christ into your life today you want to nail this down you want to be certain I'm going to lead you in a prayer from this stage and I'm going to ask you to repeat after me the words of this prayer out loud we pray it out loud here at Second Chance but not alone because everybody in our Second Chance family is going to pray it with you and like we said last week Second Chance we're taking this volume to the next level this year so if you're here today and you know you want to be in that certain circle, you want to nail it down, you want to pray to receive Christ. I want you to pray this with me in second chance. Let's pray it with them. Just say Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm a sinner. And I need you as my savior. I need you as my savior. I believe you died on the cross. And you rose from the grave to pay for my sin. And right now, Jesus, right now, Jesus, I declare you as Lord. Come in, come in and take over. I give my life to you. My life to you. In, Jesus in Jesus' name I pray. Now with head still bowed and eyes still closed, I want you to do me a favor. If you just prayed that prayer, if you just asked Christ into your life, if you just stepped into that certain circle before you leave, I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. So do me a favor right now all over the room. If you just prayed that prayer, would you hold your hand up and just hold it up real high because I want to see it. I want to make sure I see it. Don't do the I'm scratching my ear thing. Put it up in the put it up in the air. Put it up in the air. I want us to keep them up. Wow. Keep them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. This is amazing. Keep them up. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, thank you so much that you have changed lives today, that you have saved people today. I want to ask you, Lord, that as we walk out of this place, that every single person that prayed to receive you would feel a a a joy and a hope and a peace unlike anything they've ever experienced before and jesus for the rest of us god that we would we would take that step in that circle you showed us knowing that you will meet us there and take us from who we are to who we need to be thank you jesus that you're continually changing us we love you we declare that you are awesome we thank you for victory in jesus name we pray everybody the greet said amen are you glad you came to church today Man, me too. Hope y'all have a great week. We'll see y'all next Sunday.